0: Welcome to New York Zen Center for Contemplative Cares podcast. This free podcast is made possible through your generosity. Please consider making a donation through our Ways to Give link on zencare.org. this precept of not misusing sexuality. That also we translate as not being greedy. One of the training slogans we use around this precept is learning to live and give and accept love, and friendship without clinging. Without clinging. Giving and accepting love and friendship without clinging. to me, in order to practice this precept, we have to be willing for a lifetime. Be willing to explore what it means to be a friend and what it means to love. In particular, learning how to do this at the bedside, what it means to be a friend at the bedside, what it means to love at the bedside, and to really examine how greed functions there. And mostly, in my experience, it's around self-clinging that causes the problem. (laughs) And the clinging, in some ways, is the aggression towards interest, having interest. But interest, meaning from the around 16th century understanding of what interest was, to be between things, interesting, and to me that's where the space of love and friendship are between. the space of greed is like, well, what am I getting? And who am I? And how are you giving that to me? It becomes transactional. But the willingness to participate freely between to be between takes lots of courage. And the good news is that we'll all fail miserably and we can get back up and participate again. And earlier when Pat was talking about this again, I thought I was done. I've never met a patient or even myself in the mirror and not had those moments. But I think often of my teacher, and I's teacher, who you'll meet at the retreat, at 87, going on 88. Not done at all, really investigating the body and mind this rare opportunity to really understand the unconditioned love that actually we can bring everywhere but the reality is we don't bring it because it's just always available but to me what's so important is about really looking at how we don't participate in. We take ourselves out, typically out of our own ideas about how things are supposed to be, how a relationship is supposed to be, how this group is supposed to be, how wherever you're providing, participating in service at the bedside, how that place is supposed to be. Well, I would run it differently. I could go there. No problem. But to look at how we have a habit of either externalizing, wanting to fix everything out there, and being so sure that our opinions about it are correct, Or the other side of that, of course, is always kind of having machinations inside, internalizing everything. Uh. So I just want to suggest to you the possibility of perhaps enjoying between, being between things in a way of actually practicing this precept of being more interested of being between, being more interested in how this is working, how this is working, how it works, and how that extends out as a way of really participating in not misusing sexuality Because if we're deeply in relationship between things, how is it possible to misuse it? One of the famous stories around this preset I love so much, mostly because it has an old woman in it. And like many spiritual traditions, Zen is completely, all the women don't really typically have names, so she's just the old woman. Our teacher is the first woman in our lineage, after 87 generations. Chodo and myself are the first openly gay men in that lineage, so some things change. Sometimes it takes a long view. But the story is the old woman burns down the hermitage that you read about. It actually comes originally from a collection of koans called Vines and Entanglements, one of my favorites. So there was an old woman who was a benefactor of this monk. She loved practice so much that she wanted to be a supporter of this practice, uh, which is traditional, in particular in Asia. And he sat in his hut for many years, practicing, practicing, practicing. And one day, you know, she fed him and took care of his hut and made sure everything was okay. But then she wanted to test him, see how his practice is going. And so she sent a young boy to the hut to see what the monk would do and the boy laid on the monk's lap and just, you know, caressed his face and the boy asked him, what do you say? And the hermit, this monk, responded, the old tree on a cold cliff. Midwinter, there is no warmth." And the boy went back to the old woman and reported back the poem that the monk offered. And she said, for 20 years, I've supported this good-for-nothing monk, and she went back, threw the monk out, and burned the hut down. What would you have done? I remember the first time I read that story, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. as a very young person reading the story I I thought like the monk was so cool like yeah like (laughs) you get nothing How do we hide out, hide our own sexuality and warmth through spirituality? How do we not embrace what's in front of us with warmth? And this story is a typical Zen story. You know, it's always like, okay, enough. And then really valuing the immediacy of the expression. Because at many chances, we just actually, the reality is we have one chance. There's a famous Zen Expression Ichigo Ichie, which means one moment, one chance. And that is just the reality of it. And many of the people that we're seeing, they might even be very aware of that reality. But whether they are or not, how do we become aware of it? If there's one moment, one chance how do we not fully participate being between things? Or are we so into our, I'm like this, I'm like this, you're like that. It's not very sexy. sexuality is the life force itself. The world responds. (laughs) Love, of course, is what we understand as love Really is the erotic, especially in the West, comes from the word Eros, which is. So, from the god of love, Eros, who is a very sensual god. And it became thought to appreciate eros, or appreciate that kind of god, would be to appreciate the sensuality of life. Now, in these days, we understand the erotic. People say, well, that's erotic. Usually it's like almost like porn. But how do you understand the erotic and love at the bedside when someone wants to hold your hand? stay with the warmth. To me, this is also that maintaining this precept is really learning imperfectly as I do. How to maintain warmth. And to look at how we create distance. How we're all that monk. Cold. The cold tree. We all have that, too. But to look at that into a way to really explore, oh, I'm doing that thing. Where I'm like, hmm, hmm. I have nothing for you. And to look at, in particular, in your own mind, how your thinking works. How we don't freely give that warmth. <coughs> but like that like essay about like, really learning how to be between things it's not really about warm or cold either but participating Norman Fisher, the wonderful teacher said To maintain this precept, we have to learn how to be caring, faithful, in all our relationships. Caring and faithful. And I think about like sitting at the bedside, what is caring and faithful to to me it means not hiding out behind my eyes because we have this rare opportunity to actually have this body and another person can experience us actually in our bodies And we live in a culture that does not really appreciate them. And we all collude. So really offering our presence is not just a mind thing. Our presence radiates out from our body. So being generous